following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Daniel. You know, it's interesting. Several months ago, we uh, laid out the preaching calendar and what passages we were going to preach each week. And it just so happened that we would land on John 14 on this day and this morning. Uh, God is good, and I believe he has a word for us this morning. Simply by reading his word, he's already given us a word. Um, as we go into this time together, um, as we always say, our hope is not a man. Our, our hope is the Lord our God. And so we need his spirit to come and to do something in this time. Uh, so in order to do that, let's take a minute or two and check in with ourselves and see where we are and clear our minds and ask God to open our hearts to the, what he would have us see and believe this morning. So let's do that at this time. Our great God, we need you. You're our only hope. 
Holy Spirit, you're our only power. Lord Jesus, you're our only love. Would you come by your power, through your word, to apply that love to our hearts? Oh God, help us to think thoughts maybe we've never thought before, see things we've never seen before, believe things we never thought we could, that we might go do things that are so far beyond us. Oh God, we need your healing. We need your strength to the point that we can be a humble balm to this city, that we can die that others might live knowing that we live in you. Lord Jesus, come. We beg. We pray in your name. God's people said, amen. It was a week for the disciples, and it was only going to get more challenging. Jesus knew that his disciples would see him falsely charged arrested, convicted, publicly beat, shamed. He would carry his own cross to a hill. He would be nailed to that cross naked naked, and hung up for the world to see. And the disciples, little did they know that that would be their fate as well in the coming days. He had already disturbed them by telling them that he was going to depart. And so in the midst of their anxiety, in the midst of their worry, in the midst of their confusion, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place? He speaks into their context. And in so doing, He speaks into our context. I love the the way the Greek reads in this because I think a better translation reads like this. Do not let your hearts be overcome with trouble. We, our hearts are going to be troubled in this, this world. In fact, if you remember just a couple of sermons ago in chapter 13, uh, John tells us that Jesus' heart was troubled. You remember that? It says, Jesus troubled in his spirit because he knew that Judas would soon betray him. And so Jesus is troubled in spirit. And we know that in, a, in, in just a few hours, he is going to be so troubled in spirit at the thought of, of, of dying and facing um, hell itself and the wrath of his father, that he is going to cry out, Father, take this cup from me. And he will be sweating drops of blood. He will feel it to the recesses of every aspect of his body and soul. But he was never overcome with trouble. And friends, that is what Jesus gives us the power for. There is a, especially in the West, there is a heresy that says it is wrong to feel. There is a heresy especially given to us and maybe especially to us as men that says men don't cry. Men are tough. Men hold it together. 
And that has done unbelievable damage to our souls. Because we can't love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength if we don't even know how to feel. And I believe we as men especially don't know how to feel anymore. We don't know what to do with our emotions. We, we, we walk away from them. We can see it in worship, how uncomfortable we are when others start expressing their emotions. We see it in times of death. We see it in times of trouble. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to react because basically we are three, four, and five-year-olds in adult bodies when it comes to emotional maturity. Many of, of us are in counseling trying to figure that out. And that's good. Why? Because Jesus said, don't be overcome with trouble. Grieve, but not as men who don't have hope. And so, friends, this morning, this time of lament that we just had is important because if we are not feeling what's happening this week, feeling what has happened to us, what is happening to us, and what will happen to us, then we can't love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're comfortable taking our mind, but not our hearts. And so, friends, may we open our hearts this morning to the reality of the hope that is in this passage. And the first thing that we have to see is Jesus gives a great promise that should make us feel something exciting. <laughs> Jesus promises a place and a presence. Jesus promises a place and a presence. Tomorrow, Rachel and I will head to one of our happy places, the beach. Thus my shirt. I'm ready. I got my linen pink on. I just don't have shorts on. But I will tomorrow. And that's about all I'll wear. That's my happy place. Rachel and I will go with a couple, uh, the, the wife, the woman of which uh, she has known since high school, and that's been a minute. Sorry, honey. I know the husband. We've gotten really tight and really close. Thursday morning, the day after Wednesday, and all the tragedy of that night, which really was kind of capped off several days of just trauma. I went to my drawer where I, I keep my bathing suits, and I got them all out, and I put them on the bed. I said, I'm going to start packing. And that's not Richard. Richard doesn't pack for a trip, and typically until like six hours before we leave, you know. I'm typically, it would be tonight when I'm typically packing. But I was looking forward fueled by a present joy in the face of real tragedy. I was saying, this has all happened, but we're getting out of here. And friends, that is built into our DNA. We are built to look forward. We are built to be fueled by, by, by that which makes us look forward. However, if a vacation is the extent of our hope we of all men are most to be pitied. <laughs> if that's the only thing we have to look forward to, if it's just something like that or something equally temporal as that, it's going to run out. You see, we will get too old to travel. Our bank accounts might get too low to travel. Life may get too tough to travel. 
And so we have to find something that goes beyond the vacation, that goes beyond a trip, something that is going to fuel us forward. We were made for a a future hope, but we were made for a specific hope. And Jesus tells us what that specific hope is. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that what I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. But if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Note two things. Jesus is going to prepare a place for you and me. Where is Jesus right now in the midst of our tragedy? Where is he in the midst of the violence of our city? Where is he in the midst of of my broken marriage? Where is he in the midst of whatever? He is preparing a place for you. He has not abandoned you. He has not forgot you. He is preparing a place for you. And Jesus does not have a budget. Jesus is not like that family member who says, we can't afford those cotton sheets. We better go 50-50. Jesus invented luxury. Jesus invented joy and happiness. Jesus is your creator. He knows what you need, and he is preparing a place for you. And place is important. I was so bummed to have to finally make the decision that we can't be at Overton Shell this morning. I was so looking forward to it. I love to be in that place because place matters. Where is your happy place? Where, where, where do you feel at home? I think about my grandparents' house when I was little. I couldn't wait to get there. I felt safe. I felt comforted. I, I felt watched over. I felt like the center of attention. I felt loved. Where is your happy place? Where is that place you feel comfortable? Well, friends, that is just a drop in the bucket. That is just a taste for something that God created you for, and that is the place that he is making for you. He knows you, and your desires and your longings for that happy place are nothing but a desire to be in the place that God is preparing for you. But it's more than that. Not only is Jesus preparing a place, he is preparing a place that has a significant presence. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms. And then he said, I'm going to take you to be with me, take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. It's not just a place, it's the Father's house. It's the place the Father is. That is where you are going I'm excited about the condo that we are uh, going to stay in, but I'm more excited about the people I'm going to be with. So you you couple the place with the people, and all of a sudden you got a vacation. You couple the place that God is creating for you with God himself, you've got a future hope. The Father is there, and Jesus is equally there. Everybody here has father wounds. And you say, no, my father was perfect. Let me preach to my children. I'm sure that's what they're thinking right now. Lord, I wish that were true. Do you realize that even if you had the perfect father, you you don't get it. You, You had the perfect father, but that too was just a drop in the bucket of the kind of father that you were really made for. 
You think your earthly father was good? Oh, you just wait. There's one coming. That that, that earthly father images that gives you taste of. But oh, there's a father that is coming. That when you see him, when you know him, when you get to abide with him, when you move into his house for eternity, you're going to know that you're home, and you're going to know what a father is supposed to be. Oh, what a hope we have. The very reason that we have father wounds is because we were made for that father. The, The reason we as fathers have so much power is because... God has designed this structure in which we are to show the gentleness and kindness of the Father Himself. We would have no power if there wasn't a real Father and something deeply significant that we were to be conveying and giving our children the experience of. And friends, this strikes at the fear of the disciples. What the disciples are fearing is stated by Thomas, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, oh, you don't have to worry. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. And I'm going to take you to be, so that you, I'm going to take you for myself. And you're going to be with me there. You see, friends, God is our person. He's not just our happy place. He's our person. Who is your person? Well, they're really not your person. What you're looking for in your person is God himself. Do you realize that God is your person? C.S. Lewis points to this in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says this, The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust in them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never visited. Why does it hurt when when there's so much violence in our city? Because we were created for the city where there's peace, love, and happiness. We were created for a city where there's no violence, death, mourning, crying, or pain. But guess what? It's coming. And that's what Jesus says, and that's what the Father says to us. And so, therefore, stop living for a beach trip, maybe. Stop living for that new whatever. Stop living for that perfect spouse. Stop living for that perfect church. Stop living for whatever it is, because one day, someday, it's coming. Take what is now. Work hard to make it better, but know that one day, someday, it's going to be perfect. So, Jesus promises a place and a presence but secondly Jesus is an unrivaled present hope I love this he says I'm the way truth and life he is the present hope he didn't say I'm going to be the way truth and life he says I'm the way truth and life right now let's talk about how that works out Amy Catherine and Tom uh, my youngest daughter son-in-law took Gracie 18 month old Gracie to Alaska Uh, why in the world would they go to Alaska because um uh, Amy Catherine's best friend lives in Homer, Alaska, of all places. Long story. 
Um, but they took little Gracie, 18-month-old Gracie, because their best friend, Mary, uh, had a baby, and they wanted their children to, to know each other and to meet each other. It's a 30-hour trip. Think about that. Think how disorienting that trip was for Gracie. She had no idea what was going on. She couldn't understand why her schedule was being disrupted, why she couldn't be in her bed for nap time but had to be laid out or, you know, kind of stuffed in a seat or a car seat on a plane or sleep on an airport floor. She, she didn't understand why she couldn't, you know, get the kind of food she typically wants to eat. She, she didn't understand where she was going. She didn't even know she was on a trip. She just knew she was suffering. And she was crying. She didn't understand, and she really didn't even know how to express it. She didn't know the way to Alaska, but she did know the way to Alaska in the arms of her parents. All Gracie had to do to get to Alaska was not fight the arms of her parents. She knew the way. It was to not run away. <laughs> she, she knew it wasn't a, the, the, the way wasn't a set of facts. It was my parents. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I am the way, truth, and life. You do know the way, Thomas and Philip. You do know the way, and it's me. The Christian life, what Jesus is telling us, doesn't work like Waze or Google Maps. It's not a set of facts, and that's another thing we Western people, we love to use our minds, we love to get our theology right, systematic theology, which is really good. The truth of God's Word has been revealed to us, and we need to dive deep into it and know it. But that is not, a systematic theology book isn't going to get you to know the way. Because the way is a person, not a book. You see, the, the way is not Waze or Google Maps. Follow this defined course and you'll get there. No, the, the, the way the Christian life works is relationally and not digitally. The, the only way that it works is that we understand we were made for relationship with God, not nightly, nice, neatly packaged facts and answers. We were made to love and trust and not draw near to God, not merely be appeased or even convinced by facts and consent to the truth of God. The profound reality is that Jesus is the way truth, and life. Every other religious leader said, come follow me and, and, and I'll help you get to the way. And Jesus said, I am the way. Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's a profound reality. And friends, what this means is that Jesus is present to you right now. You can know him like the disciples knew him. He is present in His Word. He is present by His Spirit. He dwells within us by His Spirit, and He dwells and is present in this place this morning. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Jesus is with us. Jesus can be known. Are you knowing Him? Are you giving your heart to him? You remember the message from last week. What's the difference between the other 11 disciples and Judas? Judas was around Jesus, but Judas never gave Jesus his heart. Have you given Jesus your heart? 
Are you pursuing Him in the secret place of your heart and your soul? You can meet Him in prayer. You can talk and walk with Him, follow Him by pressing your heart and mind into His teaching. The Scriptures are alive and active. They're not just, this is not just a book for us to read. This is a book, what the Scriptures tell us, what God tells us is really this book should be reading us. This book should be showing us ourselves. This book should be reading us. We should not be sitting high and lawfully upon the book, but the book needs to be sitting over us and reading our lives and drawing us into the truth. That's how it works. It's a beautiful thing. The Scriptures are alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. They can pierce your minds. Have you ever read the Scriptures have been convicted? That is God with you. That, that is God in your presence. You can live in the presence of God through His Word. How do we find Jesus to be our way? Follow Him. How do we find Him to be our truth? Believe what He said and quit trying to change it. How can He be our life? Make Him the center of your heart. Weeks like this have power to challenge our faith in Jesus. But friends, what's the alternative? What's the alternative hope? You see, Liza, and I'm sure others, I think of the man, I don't know his name, uh, the first man that was shot, Wednesday, uh, actually was early Tuesday morning, was a man who was so giving. He, he literally, there was a story written by him. Um, he lives in South Memphis, and he was at a gas station and filled up this older white lady's car with gas, paid for it. Just stepped in and paid for it. He was a light. Liza, I know, went directly to be with her God. If that's not your hope, there is no hope. Christianity only can only make sense of this reality that Jesus has overcome the world. In this life, you'll have many troubles, but behold, I've overcome the world. This reality has provided strength for Christians through the ages to face untold tragedy. The reality that He is the way, truth, and life. And though we see in a, in a mirror dimly, one day we shall see face to face. You see, when, when, when Gracie got to Alaska, I'm sure that something in her body, when she got to that house and she met this other person and there, there, there had to have been something, oh, I didn't know the way, and I was questioning the way. I didn't like the way, but now I understand the way. I understand where we're going, and friends, that's exactly what's going to happen to us one day, someday. We see in a, in, in a mirror dimly right now, but one day, someday, when we're in glory, we're going to look back and we're going to go, ah, ah. And then thirdly and finally, Jesus empowers us. Jesus empowers us to be a present hope. This is phenomenal. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. This is unbelievable. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. 
Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. All right, we got to unpack this, and we don't have much time, so go with me. What are the works that Jesus did? What was the last work that we saw him do? He got, he took off his outer garment, he took a towel, he, he went down, got on his knees, took a towel and a basin of water, and he started washing the disciples' feet. Friends, that was more impressive than him changing 200 and something gallons of water into the best wine that the party had ever, or the pagans had ever had. It was more impressive than, than taking a few small loaves of, 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 of a few, you know, fish and, and loaves of bread and feeding 5,000 people with 12 basketfuls of leftovers. The fact that God himself in the flesh would get on his knees and do the nasty work of washing the feet of his disciples gladly and humbly is beyond our imagination. And yet, Jesus says, you're going to be able to do greater works than these. What has been on your mind and heart this week? Maybe some of you have thought, how can I move out of Memphis? Seriously. Maybe some of you have thought, I need to go buy a gun. Maybe some of you have thought, I need to get cameras and locks and, and you know, I'm not going to run alone and I'm going to, you know, and all that's fine. But here's the reality. Whether it's times of tragedy and violence or times of peace, the Lord Jesus empowers us for something different than what we can do in our own flesh. The, the works that he's talking about here are the works that are pleasing to the Father, that bring glory to the Father. What he, he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What he's saying is, is the works that we are to do, what he's going to empower us to do, are going to bring glory to the Father. And what are the works that bring glory to the Father if it's not laying our life down for others? Because that's where Jesus is going. He is going to a cross. He's not going to a Caribbean island and a resort and an all-you-can-eat buffet. He is empowered because he's God to not need the Caribbean resort. He is, he is empowered to lay his life down to be a kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies so that it can produce many seeds. And friends, this is what God empowers. We look at this passage and we, and we think he's teaching us about prayer. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He is, you know, he was the Amazon of his day. Just put it in the cart, hit, hit bought, and it's going to come right to your front door. No, that doesn't even make sense. And anybody that tries to make that make sense can't do it. What he is doing is he's saying, look, here's what my Father will do. He will empower you to, bring, to do the works that bring glory to the Father, which are the works that are laying your life down for your neighbor. You say, I don't understand. While I prayed and prayed and prayed for, um, for God to do this or God to do that, and he hadn't done it. I don't have that new job. I don't have that new car. My bank account is still like it was. I'm just as sick as I was. But, oh, he can empower something different. 
See, the problem is we typically are not praying in the name of the Father. It, he, you know, in His name, in the name of Jesus, we're praying in our own name. We're saying, in the name of Richard, let this be. As opposed to, I'm on your team, I am following you, and I'm doing your will, and I'm praying. So here it is. Prayer is a tool for getting God's will done in God's world for God's glory according to God's plan. Prayer is getting God's will done in God's world for God's glory according to God's plan, not your plan. Jesus' work was always this, leveraging everything he had for the good of his neighbor and the glory of his Father. Is that where your prayer life is going? Lord, empower me to die more. Empower me in this moment not to be bound by fear, but to give myself away. Help me to see how I can give myself away in this time. Empower a joyful service in my life because that is what Jesus is empowering us for. These are the works that are going to get the, the, the attention of the world. It's the works that have not you in focus but God and your neighbor in focus. And friends, evil can't overpower that kind of work. We saw it this week. Was, was Liza's light snuffed out? No. It was magnified. Thousands of people, men and women, showed up last Friday at 4-something in the morning to run, to finish her run with light shining, singing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Thousands across the world mimicked it. There are people who are running the Boston Marathon in her honor. Evil can't snuff out the light. It can only magnify it. So, friends, we've got power to lay our lives down in this moment, not pull it in. And you say, how? Because we have manna. This is what Jesus said. We have manna that the world doesn't have. And his name is Jesus. We have power that the world doesn't have, and his name is Jesus. I will, God takes the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God takes the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. We don't have, we can't run a nonprofit. We can't, nobody's called you to start a nonprofit. He's called you to lay your life down for your neighbor. He's called you to go to God in prayer and listen to him and do what he tells you to do. He's called you to say, less of me and more of you. And he has empowered you to do it because he is with you and he is for you. And he's preparing a place for you. Well, what happens if I die? Well, guess what? You go to the place and you're in the presence. Friends, it is my prayer that we will understand this passage and we will walk forward in faith and self-denial that we will find the power and the joy of God's Spirit through His gospel and His presence to be the people that God has made us be. That's the whole mission and purpose of downtown church, that we might be a community of love, a radical community of love, people being together that shouldn't be together, people loving each other that shouldn't love each other. And uniting, not just to showcase that, but uniting to do the work of the kingdom 
in this city and world. Dear friends, may we do it. Lord Jesus, do it in and through us. Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. We are afraid, but you are boldness itself. We, we are fearful, but you are power. Oh God, I pray that you would empower us to something different. I pray that you would draw us higher up and deeper into you, that we would see that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that you take weak vessels like us and you wield them for your glory and for the good of the world. Oh God, help us, help us, help us. We need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. I pray that we would not hold back the thoughts that you are putting in our minds right now, that, that, you would, that we would not oppose the work of your Spirit in our own lives, but that we would say yes, yes, yes to what you're calling us to do. God, thank you for the hope of the gospel. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the, the, the place and the presence. Oh, God, Lord Jesus, come and come soon. Ah. Oh even that we might be there today for eternity. But Lord, in the meantime, shore us up with hope and shore us up with your spirit and the living word. And we pray in his name, amen. Let's receive the benediction. Dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord's countenance and face shine upon you. And may his peace rest in you. Go in peace, dear friends. Thank you.